Happy New Year's, Rough Golfers, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Rough Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. So thankful to have you with me today. Hope everyone had fantastic holidays. I know that I did. My lovely wife and I, we traveled up to Maine, and Maine is a beautiful state. If you've never been to Maine, you guys need to travel there, okay, because it is amazing. The, the scenery is beautiful. Uh, we went up there in middle of December, and yes, it's, it's cold, but right there in the afternoon around 2 or 3 o'clock when the sun hits you, you just you start to warm up, and it, it just becomes magical. And then not to mention the amazing seafood. I mean, oysters, lobster, all different types of seafood out there. Had it chowder, which I had never had before, but man, is it good. So good. I was blown away by the seafood. It was really, really good. And, you know, not only was I blown away uh, mentally, but there seemed to be something that happened to my waistline that uh, got a little bit carried away, blown away too. And now I wear larger pants. And I'm not really sure how that happened. But I have to think that it came from uh, lobster dipped in butter. Something like that, maybe. I don't know. I hope everyone out there had a fantastic holiday. That's what the holidays are for, you know, getting together with friends and family, maybe going on vacation, and just being able to enjoy food, you know, not not worrying about keeping those love handles in shape because you're wearing a sweater anyway. Nobody's looking. Don't worry about it. You got plenty of time before you get back out on the golf course. You ain't got to worry about that. So I hope everyone had a fantastic holiday. Um, one of the things that... Uh, that happened during the holiday was a pretty big golf announcement and I'm I'm not sure if everybody is read up on it or if you if you've heard about it uh, and I think that the reason that it was um, released at this point in time was because they were hoping maybe there wasn't going to be a lot of attention thrown on it with the festivities happening in the month of December but if you haven't heard already about to drop a bombshell on you okay the Masters has made an announcement allowing live golfers who are eligible to play. I mean, is that not just fantastic news? I know that half of the golf world is probably, you know, I don't know, throwing clubs at the wall or something like that over the fact that live golfers are going to be able to play in the Masters event. But guys, this is a really, really good thing. So if we look at Augusta and the Masters, it is supposed to be one of the premier golf events throughout the entire world. It's called the Masters, okay? The Masters of Golf. If you were to not invite players who are considered Masters of Golf, what would that say about the tournament? What would that say about the major event? It's basically not going to ring true to what it's supposed to be. So the Masters has announced that they're going to let these live golfers play. And just to name a few, if you forgot some of the defectors, if you're on the PGA side and that's what you'd want to call them, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Sergio Garcia, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Phil Nicholson, Joaquin Neiman, and there it goes. The list goes on. You know, Cam Smith. You've got tons of high-level players, and yes, I know there's going to be a lot of people that say, "Well, they've fallen down the official World Golf Ranking points list." 
Should they be eligible? Doesn't matter. You've got past Masters champions, and then you've got other ways, which we'll discuss in this podcast, that these players can qualify for an invitation, because the Masters is an invitational, can qualify for an invitation to be able to play in the Masters. Now, I think this is a good thing, okay? I think allowing the best of the best to compete is a good thing. I don't want to see golf competitions hindered in any way because of politics, because of money, because of uh, PGA said this, Live Golf said that. You know, I don't want to see that. As a fan of the sport, I want to see the best golfers competing on one of the most difficult courses in the world, and I want to see some really good golf. So I'm so excited about this. This this Masters, 2023 Masters, is going to be one for the books. I'm telling you, this is going to be a great championship. I know it really it, it really will be. So let's talk about some of the ways that these players can qualify for the Masters, in case you didn't know. And I, I wasn't really read up on it because I like to watch golf, but I don't really get deep into all the mechanisms and the qualifications and all this, you know, really sports statistic heavy stuff. I don't get into that. I like to see the play. I like to see the player's ability. I like the competition. But uh, I had to research some of the rules to find out what qualifies a golfer for an invitation to the Masters. So there are several different things that qualify. Some of them can be golfers who've won uh, PGA Tour events in the past year. Now, these are specific PGA Tour events that give them the ability to qualify for an invitation. You would qualify from the previous year's season-ending tour championship, or if you finished in the top 30 in the money list from the previous calendar year, you could also qualify for the Masters. So that is another way that you could qualify for that tournament. Again, it's invitational. Uh, Golfers who've won the U.S. Open, British Open, PGA Championship over the past five years are, of course, invited to the major tournament. So your big major winners are going to get that invitation. Why? Because they're really good golfers. I mean, we know this. They're good golfers. Even if they play for live and they're past major championship winners, they're really good golfers. So don't. Don't prevent them from playing in one of the preeminent golf tournaments in the entire world. And, of course, the winners of the Players' Championship over the past three years. And, of course, the easy one to remember, if you won the Masters before, you earn a lifetime invitation to play in the tournament. That's why you see a wide variety of ages out there on the field during game day when the Masters kicks off. So, this is good for the Masters. All right. And you may be asking why, you know, why is this good for the masters? What does this do but bring controversy and, you know, accusations about favoritism and, you know, that uh, maybe people are saying that the masters are in some way siding with live golf versus the PGA tour. And that's absolutely not true. It's good for the masters because this brings a lot of attention to the masters. Okay. Even people, like I've said before in my previous podcasts, even people who were not interested in golf are now interested in what's going on with the battle of these two tours. So you're bringing in more people, which is always a good thing to a sport, more people, more interest, more money to both the PGA and live golf and these other 
entities in the sport like Augusta National. So that's a good thing, period. This could also be seen as a way to heal some of the rifts that have occurred between PGA golfers and live golfers. Now, you are not going to make everyone happy, okay? It's just impossible to. But there was probably a lot of things that were said and done during the heat of the moment, right when live golf was rolling onto the scene. And, you know, it, from a PGA standpoint, they were stealing players. From a live golf standpoint, they were offering better payment packages and benefits to players than the PGA did. So there's really two sides to every story. And that's what we've seen develop over the past year between the PGA and live golf. So this is good for the Masters. It brings attention to the Masters. It's going to allow for the players of both tours to come together and figure out how they're going to coexist in this new world of golf. Now, one of the things that I would love to see is the Masters Champions Dinner. I mean, that would be amazing if that were televised, just to see the interaction between the players of the PGA Tour and Live Golf. You've got a lot of people at that Champions Dinner that are big PGA fans. And then, of course, you've got your Live Golf guys like Dustin Johnson. What's that going to be like? You know, what, what are Dustin Johnson and Bubba Watson and all the others that are going to be sitting in there <laughs> elbow to elbow with the PGA Tour guys who, you know, they each kind of had a back and forth over this past year. Um, what what are they going to say? How is that, what is the vibe going to be in that room? I don't know. I think it would be amazing if they were to be able to film that. I think it would bring in big ratings. I think there would be so much commentary on just, you know, minor remarks that each of the players make that are on the different tours. But I think that would be super cool if we could if we could film that. So uh, Augusta National, if you're listening, you know, maybe consider filming that because that would be pretty interesting to watch. Okay, I'd like to know what uh, what's said in that room. But also, it's very easy to, you know, sit back and remotely, like if you've ever dealt with a keyboard warrior or somebody online that's been a bully or whatever, it's very easy when you're removed from someone in a situation to be, you know, commenting aggressively or say whatever you want. Or there's, It's just super easy to say how you feel when you're not confronted with the person in front of you and having to understand that, hey, this golfer who made a move for his career is not trying to bash your decision to stay with the PGA Tour or vice versa, go to live golf. They are just trying to better their career and their uh, game of golf. And I think that this, you know, championship dinner will be good because it'll bring these guys together. It'll actually force them to get together and they will have to find a way to bury the hatchet, you know, to put these disputes aside and say, okay, you know, I'm sticking with the PGA Tour. That's where I feel most comfortable. That's where I want to, you know, make a name for myself. Or I'm going to live golf. I, I like live golf. I'm going to stick with them. I feel like that's where I play my best golf. And I think that because the players will be forced to, you know, work out their differences, it's going to be good for the sport. This will set a precedent 
for other tournaments and other playing opportunities where you're going to have, you know, live golf players who are eligible and PGA Tour players who are eligible to compete in the same tournaments, it's going to set a precedent. They are going to form some sort of pathway forward for these two golfers to compete together and not want to rip each other's heads off, you know, verbally, of course. Nobody's being aggressive here. They're just they're saying a lot of nasty things back and forth to each other, you know. A lot of feelings were hurt when people left the PGA Tour. And I, I can understand that. I can understand that. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that uh, that couldn't hurt a few feelings. But we need to see live golf for what it is. We need to understand that these two tours can coexist in the global golfing community. Okay? They can. And it's good. Think about having a PGA tournament the best of the best of the PGA and the best of the best of the live golf and playing against them. I mean, come on. Wouldn't, why wouldn't you want to have that type of opportunity to have that kind of a tournament? I mean, who would not want to see that kind of a tournament? Okay. Bring the DP world tour in too. Heck, let's get every major golf tour and have a battle Royale out there on the golf course between all of the best golfers, say top 10, of the best golfers of every high level golf tour throughout the world. Bring them all together, and let's put them out there in the field of play, and let's watch that golf magic. It's gonna be it, that would be amazing and an excellent opportunity. So there you go, major golf tours. Take that idea and run with it. It'd be good. It'd be good for golf. Now there are some questions that everyone has. I'm sure there's tons of questions that everyone has about how this is gonna shake out. You know, like for example, if a live player either wins or ranks high enough on the leaderboard, are they going to earn official world golf ranking points for that tournament? Will they get it? I don't know. What are the pairings of players going to be like? Are you going to pair, you know, a, a live golf player with a PGA tour player? It's bound to happen. It is. How do you ensure that there's not going to be a tension between the two? You know, not everyone's going to attend the champions dinner. But those players could still earn an invite to the tournament. So they won't have the opportunity to kind of sit down and have a meal and, and work out their differences. They're just going to have to meet up with a guy on the course, maybe play a practice round with them. You know, so, so this is going to be interesting on how this, this all you know, turns out. I want to see. And I think that the precedents that are set forth in Augusta will help the future tournaments determine how they are going to approach the, a similar situation. You know, this is this is a, a testing ground, and it's going to be good for golf. I truly believe that. Also, you know, between now it's January and April, you've got a lot of time to think, a lot of time to answer those questions and deal with those possible issues. And I'm sure some of the best minds in golf are thinking about this right now, figuring out how are we going to prepare for Augusta to make sure we have a great tournament without any major hiccups. It'll be interesting to see. Regardless of how you feel about Live Golf or the PGA Tour, I think we can all get behind the fact that the Masters is an amazing tournament. It's truly one of those tournaments where the field of golfers is at its zenith. You're not going to get a more densely compacted um, roster of players than you will at Augusta. There could be an argument, and I know probably Rick Shields or some of the other 
uh, golf entities out there would argue and say that the Open, what we know in America as the British Open, or what I've always called it as the British Open, or is probably the Masters' main contender for having such a um, you know highly competitive, highly effective golf field. So those are, are kind of like the top two globally that everybody's watching. You know, the big names you know are going to be at those two tournaments. They just they just are. Either way, you need those top players. They will create amazing golf to watch. It's an excellent opportunity for all these golfers to come together and do what they do best, which is play amazing golf. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating or review down below. It really helps out the podcast, and I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening, and as always, keep on swinging.